Hello, welcome to Soul Led, a podcast dedicated to the evolution of your soul and the development of your spiritual gifts. I am Nikki Novo, your spiritual mentor, a fiery Latina, mom of three, and a lover of all things intuitive. You're here because you're meant to be here. So let's do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Soul Led. This is like the best job ever sometimes because, you know, it's hard to schedule time in with like old friends and people you love and it doesn't, you you know, like days get busy, but this job makes you set time with those people. So today, one of those episodes where I get to catch up with a very long ago friend, haven't, we haven't caught up in so long, but she's a very special person, has so many beautiful things that she's doing in the world, and we're so excited to have her. So welcome to the show, Katie Dalebout. Hello, Katie. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Nikki. That's so nice. It's, I, God, I, I have such like vague memories of how we connected. I really like couldn't tell you. I know you did the, you did my podcast really early on. If you guys don't know Katie, she's the host of a very popular podcast called Let It Out, which we'll we'll read her bio in a second. But um, I was same thing, Katie. When I was like reading through my notes and like researching and like okay, setting up my questions, I was like, it was so vague to me. But I have a, I have a few rememberings because I have children, so I feel like I can remember things by the age of my kids. So I'm uh-huh. pretty sure we must have met about between six and seven years ago. Is kind of like what I think it is because my oldest son is eight, and then. I just remember like a friend you sent me your book. I remember you sent me your book because oh, I read it. Oh, okay. Okay. My first, how embarrassing that's that book is so I actually doesn't exist anymore, but oh, I loved it. <laughs> so then I listened to your podcast. I loved you. Like I loved your work. Like a friend introduced it to me and I would just reached out to, you know, it's like, you know, you're doing a lot of great interviews, but I want to let you know that like, I feel like you have a lot of good advice yourself too. Like, I just oh. was kind of like, and you were like, thank you. And then, I don't know, we just keep, became friends that way. And I think yeah. I had a podcast at the time. I don't remember the name. You came on. And I remember that like, I, you must've been one of my first interviews because I didn't even know how to record. And you're like, I'm going to record it for you and I'll send oh. it. <laughs> good I'm glad I did that yeah so like you sent the file because I didn't even like know how to record our episode oh good I'm glad it was me it was a good first interview yeah and I think you like I'm pretty sure you were like the first person I knew who was doing a podcast so you um I'm pretty sure you like gave me some information you recorded for me like you were just so kind and then um yeah I guess I was on your podcast at some point and then we met in person for the first time at Gabby Bernstein's like first, she had that, she had, it's like a course that she has now, but she did it live once. Yes. In New York. And then when you came out with let it out, you had a little um, book launch. Yes. You were there. And I, and I went because I had, I was in New York for work and I just scheduled like my, I remember you had your book launch. So I scheduled my work. Oh, yes. I'm so happy. I do remember that now. Very vague. Um, I didn't remember out of my memories, but like today when I was thinking about, so yeah, we we go, we go back. Yeah. Cause I knew we had met in person Mm -hmm. and I remember all, I remember reading your book. I remember you sending me your book. And I remember like, now that you say that, I do remember that about the recording, um, but it's so funny how memory works of like, no, I, I did not filling in some gaps that I didn't remember and vice versa. I only remembered these memories, um, today, like as I 
was doing my research on stuff. I was like, oh, it's just so funny. You start it's like you took away these memories. So anyways, which leads me to, I'm going to read your bio really quick, just so everybody has like a little bit of a background. And then I have questions about kind of where you were then when you were first starting and like where you yeah. are now and kind of how that happened. So Katie Dalebout is a writer, podcast producer, and host. Her weekly interview show began in 2013 and now has over 300 episodes with over 4 million downloads. In 2019, she started Spiraling, a co-hosted podcast about anxiety. Her book, Let It Out, which is the one we were just talking about, published in 2016. So look, that gives us a date. I was yeah. like, <laughs> 2016 is an interactive guide to journaling. She now teaches workshops and online cl- um, an online class for independent podcasters, runs a digital, digital group for creatives called In Process. She consults and writes a weekly newsletter. So that's a little bit about Katie. But when we first met, Katie was... Um, into wellness was like, had that wellness, um, podcast. Yeah. I started the podcast in the beginning of 2013. I was 22. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm 31 now and I'm still doing it. I changed the name. It used to be really wellness focused. Like you said, um, I, in college I was teaching yoga and I was writing this blog called the wellness wonderland. And I was studying broadcast journalism and, uh, it would be so funny to like, listen to whatever that conversation was that we had. Cause I was like, <laughs> just starting this. Um, but yeah, I, I really wanted to just like live on my own, teach yoga, do something like creative on the internet, I think. And at that time, like, I didn't really know what podcasting was, but I was like, Oh, a blog, you know, I wanted to be a, a TV news reporter, but like, didn't really have the like capacity or energy to be able to do that at that time. Uh, because I was, well, uh, like basically I had an eating disorder that I like thought was wellness, you know? And so I was really like in that, like really taking wellness to an extreme in a way that really distracts from your life. And I see that now, but I was so in it then. And there's a lot of richness that came from that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people who have a disordered relationship with eating and their bodies, uh, when their career is also in a malleable place, end up working in like wellness or food or, or become like trainers or like just research about it, which is really interesting. And that's kind of the case for me. Um, like how you but, validate the disorder almost in a way. Yeah. Or like you, like it, they just kind of end up in those fields and there's, you know, it's really interesting that like their interests change because you're like thinking about food all the time. So you become a chef or like you are thinking about exercise or like, I'll be a personal trainer, you know? So it's just, it's interesting how that happens. Um, but it did, it sort of changed the course of my life or like the interest that I had really left, you know, like I wasn't always interested in like wellness. I just, it became an interest and then everything else, like fell away, you know? And so I, I've been kind of, it's been a slowly picking those things back up. Did you um, notice it like in yourself Were you like, oh, wow, I'm in a place of um, like this wellness stuff is going too far or was it kind of like a natural progression out? Uh, yes, I noticed it. I was in denial, um, but it got to the point where I had like extreme anorexia and orthorexia in college. So I had to be in treatment for that, but there wasn't really, I don't, I don't know if people listening here, like know what orthorexia is, but it's like an obsession with wellness and healthy food and eating, like to the point where it like 
takes over your life basically, right? Like instead of, you know, making your life as a whole really great, you're like focused on making your body great and like, but not even making your body great for aesthetic reasons, like um, being really perfect and rigid about wellness and eating. And a lot of people like do this, like this is just wellness what culture we? has really like seeped I mean, into this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like really nuanced and the work of Christy Harrison is really helpful in this and um, Isabel Fox and Duke. And there's a lot of people who like I refer to on this, um, but I would have never been able to like clock this in myself. And I was really young too, but I had like lost a lot of weight and it was pretty obvious. So I was like in treatment and then someone put the word orthorexia. I, I guess I had anorexia too, or I did clinically, but now orthorexia is in the DSM. It's in the like clinical, um, as a diagnosis. So orthorexia was put in front of me as a definition because I was kind of like, yeah, 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 I know I'm underweight, but like, I just need to eat a few more avocados. Like I'll be fine. Like a few things that were like, okay. And it was just like, I have this and I have this and I'm not eating this and I'm not eating this and I'm not eating sugar or fruit or fat. Or so it was like nothing yeah, to the enough. point that it's like you're eating celery. Right. And you know, there's a real like mental gymnastics there. That's like, yeah, yeah, this is for health. But it's like the nice side effect is that like, I have this body that everyone, like I get a lot of dopamine because I can wear whatever I want. And this, you know, it's, it's like, there's a real self-honesty there. And there's a real like letting go that had to happen that like, I still have a lot of like stuff with that. I really have to work on and know and clock as I even, you know, 10, 10 years later. Um, but that was really happening at that time. And, and it was pointed out to me, like other people saw it in me because, you know, I couldn't go out to dinner or do anything normal. I was just like always so up rigid and dogmatic about everything. Um, but this was also happening at a time where I was like finding community in that, in that like rigidity. And, you know, this was peak, like, wellness wasn't what it is now. It was like, almost niche and becoming something and so it was my rebellion you know you know I, I grew up in the midwest and my family owned fast food chains and like well, this is my way to be like different and um there was no whole foods in my hometown there was no you know so being like raw vegan gluten-free sugar-free whatever was like alt you know and so I really went down the wormhole with it and and then also at the same time like found a community in it through my wellness blog um but eventually was able to let it go and realize, you know, that like making your life as a whole really great is a lot more interesting. And, and so then my work, snow it did start really niche in wellness, but it, it did, um, you know, fan out when, by the time the book came out where I realized, you know, and journaling was a real like self-awareness tool that I used within that of, you know, the great thing about the eating disorder timing was like, it got me into therapy at a like relatively young age. It got me into like, learning about my feelings in a time where like, I probably wouldn't have done that and self-awareness and self-honesty um, and led me to a lot of like spirituality and meditation and, you know, all of these tools and, and people and self-help as a whole that really got me to, you know, grow. And, and then, you know, what happened after that? And I guess like, since we, have spoken, I guess is, is really that like, you know, I did for, with self-help and personal growth, like what I had done with wellness, you know, where I kind of made that like my, and anything you're like making your deity is like not great. Right. So it's like, I have to diversify and I have to realize like, okay, life isn't just green juice and yoga and chia seeds. It's also meditation and, and, um, and understanding yourself and, and, 
self-development, but it's also not just that. It's also relationships and creativity and connection and travel and enjoying your life and aesthetics and beauty and learning, you know, so it's, it's all these things. And I think my work on the internet has, has also, you know, expanded as, as my, as I've grown, you know, I've grown up on the internet. Like I, I cringe at those old, old episodes, but it's so who I was then. And, you know, now I think I, I've moved a bunch. I've traveled a bunch. I've been in and out of a bunch of relationships. I've like gone through all of that in this podcast. And you can really like figure out where I am based on the questions that I'm asking people. And, you know, it's less about like the, the specifics of, of habits and routines that people do. Although I'm interested in that because I'm curious, but it's more about, you know, what's coming up for you today? Can we just be people with each other and have a conversation and what's interesting to you and what did you do today? And, and broadening my worldview and the way I connect with people. And, um, and, you know, so I think my work has shifted more into creativity and productivity and connection, um, which journaling is a part of and any wellness is a part of and personal growth is a part of, but it's all part and not everything I think is like the key. That's such a beautiful <laughs> message and like understanding. You bring up a good point too, because you um, said you were like, you know, in a way, I, you didn't you didn't use the word grateful, but you you said something like, you know, in a way, it was a good thing, or you kind of saw yeah. it as, as a positive that you had um, that the disorder, like the timing of the disorder, like brought you to therapy at the right time, and you know, being young and you know, being yeah. you're saying like you wouldn't have gone otherwise probably, and I have a theory about that. I'll share it with you. Yeah, uh, great. <laughs> like whether you like it or not, um, Katie. <laughs> no, but I ha- I have this theory that that um as we like as souls we come to this lifetime and you know we forget everything right, but we're these like old souls or you know we have we've been around the block or whatever, and we're like all right we're gonna come to Earth so we're gonna do that Earth thing, but we um we forget everything, right? There's this whole process of coming into this lifetime and like forgetting, having the the great forget. And, um, I was uh, diagnosed at three years old with arthritis in my knees. And, um, you know, my parents took care of me the whole time and they kept it, you know, under control. But then at some point, um, once I graduated, once I graduated college and I moved to LA, I was on my own. Like I had to take care of myself. And actually my knee is what brought me to, thoughts like brought me to Louise Hay and brought me to the idea that like energy gets stuck in the body and brought me to like anti-inflammatory foods, like all sorts of different things. And, um, ultimately like it was the part, one of the things that brought me into, um, you know, therapy, all this kind of stuff. And I feel that our souls kind of leave us these little like, uh, breadcrumbs that they're yeah. like, we're going to bless you with this. I'm going to bless you with your arthritis. I'm going to set you up perfectly for that eating disorder yeah. so that you can wake up and remember yourself early enough because totally. your soul, um, is much bigger. And like, you can't spend your whole life forgetting what your soul really is. Um, so I feel that people that have 
those, you know, that we have these things, maybe a little young or they, they lead us somewhere to me. It's like, almost like the postcard. They're like, okay, I'm going to forget everything. I know I'm going to forget everything, but I'm like leaving this little note. And it's, it, it's totally, you have to decode it and you're not going to understand it when you have it. And it's going to frustrate you, but someday it's going to be like the message that the soul left behind yeah. for you to really like step into that true soul purpose. So yeah. that's scary. I believe that 100%. Like, I think we, I think, you know, one thing, I, many things I love about you, Nikki, but like, we're very aligned with the way we, you know, Louise Hay and view the world. And, um, and I think, you know, as much as I was kind of saying like, oh, I was so into that. And now I'm not like, I still am like, it's still in me, the, the wellness, the, all of it, like, it's, you know, I was telling Nikki a little bit before this, I have a cold and I'm like, hear you me I am taking all the supplements and drinking all you know like I when you need that stuff it's useful right like all that stuff I was so into is useful the you know spiritual and psychological and and tools and the physical but taking anything to an extreme to the point where you miss your life is is a real bummer you know it's a we have so few sensory pleasures in this life so to miss it you know being controlling and rigid is like is so sad and so I think it's just about navigating that and like finding a center but I totally agree with you and and view the world similarly that you know this is a classroom that we come here to learn and and um and if we don't learn it again I think we we there are some lessons that I keep having to learn again and again in new ways and that can be frustrating but I believe that yeah it's all sent to us to to learn and um might not feel like that in the, in the moment. And, and I also don't know if I, I necessarily believe like everything happens for a reason. I don't think I believe that, but I think I believe we can make reason of, of things in our lives if that feels good and, um, you know, finding lessons. And, and I do think that, you know, the things that have been sent to me have served some purpose in my life and for sure. choosing to believe that is helpful for, for me. And if there's something that like, of course I, I don't, think that happened for a reason you know yeah or it could be like a portal into like where you're trying to go or something yeah or like doing some mental gymnastics to my friend Sophie says this thing like we have to protect ourselves from our own mind so you know figuring out how to do that you know and if for me it's being like this happened for a reason to teach me this lesson and that feels good then great like whatever but if I'm you know going to like a really heavy thing that happened to to someone or politically or socially like there are things that like you can't put that argument towards which I totally believe and and that's a whole different thing but I think you know choosing what you're choosing your beliefs and when you can and sometimes it is out of our control and mental health and all these outside factors whatever but doing my best to try every day to protect myself from my own mind, knowing that some days I, I can't protect myself and I just get hit with it, but trying my best. And that's, um, that story kind of led you or that experience, I guess, in your life too, led you to that, to a second podcast too, right? Cause you moved into some anxiety work at some, at some point. Right. And then, or you yeah. were writing, writing about yeah. anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool. It's a project I do with my friend, Serena Wolf. So I, I the podcast I, I do that I've done for like, you know, I don't know, what is it? Nine years now, uh, let it out. I still do. It's long from interviews. I just interview people. Um, but in 2019, I had 
this amazing person, a now very close friend of mine, Serena Wolf, um, a like new newer friend at that time. Uh, and she is a author, a, a chef and author of a couple cookbooks. And she was gonna do the podcast. We'd like hung out once or twice and had been introduced by a mutual friend. And we have this conversation and she was very, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing her. I'm just like doing a um, regular podcast interview, but we, we talk about anxiety. I, I brought it up because she's very open about speaking about her anxiety. She's learned a lot about her anxiety and learned about how to articulate it and how, to, how it comes up in relationships. I didn't really understand like, where what anxiety was how I felt it in my body that I had had panic attacks like what they were like I had no language for it and I think that was a really big problem in my the relationship that had just ended of like me not being able to articulate what was happening with me mental health wise and so we, we do this episode and we have this conversation and it was the part about anxiety was really emotive and a lot of people resonated with that and and I and I kept coming over every like Wednesday after that and we were like should we make a podcast about anxiety and Serena was down and and I knew how to do it because I'd done mine for so long so it kind of became let it out like second produced show where we did one 10 episode season in 2019 I was still living in New York and uh each one has a topic and it's just this little capsule season. It's really fun to do a co-hosted project. And we talk about anxiety. We talk about therapy. We talk about how to communicate anxiety in relationships. We talk about feeling it in your body. We talk about, um, you know, social media and anxiety, career and anxiety, physical, like we get into everything over these last several seasons, because then, then I left New York in 20 at uh, January 1st of 2020. I, I, I just was moving apartments and, my stuff was in my best friend's place in, in Brooklyn. And I, I went on a trip that never ended, but um, I left on January 1st and I went to, I was going to just miss the winter and come back to New York, but I spent January in Bali and um, February in Australia. And then I was meant to spend March and April in LA and then go back, but I still am here in LA because I mean, of the pandemic. But anyway, I was just going to say about Sparling, we, we ended up doing another season remotely and another season. So it's, we now have done three seasons of it. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it exists and it's great. And we're going to do a season four and it's one of my favorite projects and really nice to like have something else. It's funny, when I was in my, I think in my like mid to late twenties or something, I had a, a fr she was like a, a friend, but like younger friend, um, like not from like my peer group. And she had been, um, she had like a, a trauma growing up. So she had been to therapy like at a very young age. And I remember her kind of talking to me and she was like, yeah, you know, it's just like my anxiety. And then like, I acted like this because of my anxiety. And I'm like, what? What is yeah. that? Like, I was like, explain to me this thing you call anxiety. Totally. Right. She's like, yeah, you know, like when my breath gets like this and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, wait a second. It was like, I remember being like, I remember just like, you know, for her, it was probably her just, she's been talking like that for a while because she had been in therapy. Right. She had been through a trauma. She had to like have those, that language. And she wasn't like, educating me on the contrary I think she probably in her mind she was like assuming this white right. 20 year old must know this like doesn't everybody know this is kind of the way she was um, explaining it to me and I think she was talking about the way she was breathing um when feeling anxious and like her reaction to something um that was like an obvious like anxious reaction or something and 
it's like, I remember just like changing my mind. I remember coming home. I was already with my husband. So I must've been like 27 or so. So I, I think I was already dating him. And I was like, have you ever heard of this before? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like so true. It's so basic. Like, um, you know, like if you, the first step is like just knowing that you're, you know, feeling anxious and like what it really is and, and that it's happening. But so many of us like sabotage ourselves because we don't have the language for it. So that's totally, I think it's really useful to have the language. Cause I remember like, I, like I was saying, Serena and I weren't even like, I'm not even going to say we were, we're very close now. And I'm so, I love her. And like, she is like the only really like work collaborator that I've, you know, gotten to collaborate with in this way, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but she and I, when we started, like really weren't friends. We knew each other, but we were not close. And I remember like watching her stories where she would talk about anxiety. And it was how I learned what anxiety was, even though I had been in therapy. And even though like I, you know, had had it, you know, but I wasn't like diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Like I, I have a lot of other diagnoses and, and, you know, a depression diagnosis and I have a, um, you know, a plethora of others that I have, but that was never one that came up, but I was able to see myself in her post. And, and I think the thing that makes our project spiraling our show, I learned the, the concept of the show came from me having that experience that it sounds like you had with your friend of me being like, oh, that, I think I have that. So and then us having a conversation about it, because the thing that I think makes spiraling a positive, uh, a, a useful tool for people listening is our, the, Venn diagram of Serena and I is like pretty small. Like we're really different. She, you know, lives in New York and is married and, you know, a chef and has written many cookbooks and has a house, a different house. And like, we, we could not be like our lives, our lifestyles are very differently. Or like our, um, the, we're just in different points. We're pretty close in age. She's a little bit older than me, but we're, um, you know, we, we are, we are, get along so well and love each other so much, but both have very different lives and also experience anxiety very differently, like physically. And, you know, I have depression. She doesn't, I have a lot of like eating shit. She doesn't, I have, you know, we have a lot of different like variety, which makes us cover a lot more. So I think someone might resonate with one part with me and another part with Serena and another, you know, so there's kind of, it becomes this really good thing where, we are able to be what that friend was for you and what Serena was for me, which was the concept of the show of like, let's just vulnerably talk about our shit and how we, what helps and what doesn't and our successes and our failures and be really honest and vulnerable and like, you know, see if that's entertaining to people, if that's useful to people. And yeah, we're still doing, and it's totally just like a passion project. It's not like, you know, the biggest thing in the world, but I'm, happy it exists and I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just so important to, we take it for granted to like point those things out. So yeah. I, I love that. What do you feel is, do you feel like there's anything that points to having success as a creative? So like, um, you know, how can, like, is there any sort of like formula for a successful podcast? Do you think it's luck? 
Um, do you think, uh, you know, like if, if I want to live my life as a creative and make a living doing it, like, is there anything that you're like, oh, this is a definite or a lot of it is this luck or a lot of it is this? Oh yeah. I mean, well, I think it's all of the above, but I, I do creative consulting and the reason I, I, and I work with people one-on-one on creative projects and, and just living a more creative life. And I have a workshop that you mentioned in process, which is about that. And the reason I bring those things up is because I, this is, this is what I talk about all the time. And the reason I started both of these is because when I was still working full time and doing the podcast, my book had come out and I'm, you know, I'm doing like everything I'm doing now and working full time. I was like, you know, I feel like the, I need to figure out like how to make money basically because yeah. I, I didn't have to make money on my creative work. Like the podcast was just a side thing and the book was whatever. Like I didn't have to think about that because I was, I had a full-time job that was like, I never made, I mean, whatever. I made a very, very small salary, like for Michigan. And then I made that same salary in New York. So it was like never a lot. It's like, and whatever you're thinking is probably way lower. Um, and I, but for me, it was fine. Like I, I had money and I was paying my, lo- like it was fine. And I wanted something coming in. By that time, the podcast was making a little bit of money in advertising, not much, but a little bit covering its costs for sure. And I think I had like a little extra spending money outside of my full-time job every month, but that was it. So I wanted to do something else. So I thought like everyone was kind of making online courses and I was like, I just, I don't really, like, I don't have anything to teach in that. And, and I also just felt kind of uneasy about courses in general, especially in that time. I was like, I just feel like they're like salesy and I don't think I can do it. And then I was like, well, maybe I could make one about journaling. Cause I had like, it'd been so useful to me, but I was like, I put everything I have about that in this book. So th- this doesn't feel correct. And then one day I was like, everybody was asking me about like how to start a podcast at that time. This is 2018. So more people are like 2017, I think wanting to start podcasts. And at that point I I'd had been doing it for, you know, I guess five years at that time. Is that correct math? Something like that, a bunch. And I started one-on-one doing podcast consulting because so many people wanted to pick my brain that I just couldn't keep up. And so I started to charge a very small fee and then a little bit more. And so I did like one-on-one podcast coaching. And through that, I ended up making a a course called um, Let a Podcast Out. I renamed it to the Podcast Kit. It still exists if people want to go through it. But but the reason I bring it up is because through that, I would do these live calls, right? And they would like coaching calls where, you know, people would like start their podcast. And it, it was cool because it allowed people to at the end, there's eight modules that take you through everything from like coming up with a concept and naming it to like the technology to marketing and monetizing and finding an audience. And at the end, if you actually make a podcast to incentivize people to like get to the end and make a podcast, you can submit it. And I choose one to be aired on the let it out podcast feed as like the winner. And then that, you know, hopefully will bring some listeners to them. That's how it is. And on these coaching calls, twice, twice a semester, we would do these coaching calls. A lot, you know, of course, some people were like, oh, is this a, what, what do you think about these two microphones? But it's like all that content was in the course. So it wasn't really like when I was coaching people, like sometimes I would talk something out with them. But every time the questions came back to like, do I have permission to make my thing? Like, is anyone going to care about my podcast? Like, should I do this? Am I embarrassed? Like, what is this, that girl from high school going to think when I share about this? Like, 
how do I be confident enough to talk about this? Or like, you know, cause as you know, Nikki, like you can figure out how to record it or someone will help you or like my boyfriend or me in your case or like whatever, like that stuff's easy. It's the like consistency and showing up and th- like that's a creative practice. And that's a little bit out of our control and that's gets into mental health ter- territory. And that's like a whole nother thing. So I, I, I was able to, to coach people pretty well through those questions because I, and here's why not because I know anything that anyone does, not because I'm a therapist, not because I'm trained in anything, but because I care and I was able to use my intuition and I was really, really present and I had distance from it, right? Like I wasn't then, right? Like they're too close to their project, but I could go in, right? If, if you came to me, Nikki, with like a creative project that you're wrestling with and that you're looking at and you were like vulnerably talking to me over coffee, like I could come in or not ever got whatever. Um, and be like, okay, yes, you should do that. You're missing this one thing. I'm very good at seeing patterns. I'm a projector in human design. And so I was able to be like, okay, yes, that absolutely is true. You're missing this one. It's strategy, right? Like here's this one other thing that I can see that you're missing only because you're too close. If you were doing it to me, you would be able to do the same thing, right? It's what a focus group does. It's what a mastermind does. It's what anytime someone's present and caring, a lot of this can come up. Um, but I also am someone who's like tried a lot of things and thrown things at the wall and, and, and had to just like pretend and try things on. And so I really enjoyed that part of the coaching. And that's when I was like, all right, I don't think this is just for podcasting. I think this can be for someone who wants to write a book or someone who wants to sew or someone who wants to make a jewelry company or someone who wants to become a doula or someone who wants to like um, do a newsletter about Jewish studies. And these are all people who I'm working with one-on-one right now. So, you know, it's, it's, I I ended up making, you know, these, these, um, kits that, that, you know, I did one for heartbreak as we know. Um, and I did, you know, the updates to my book about journaling. And while I was doing that, I was like, I think there can be like a broader program where people can come together and do what I do with people one-on-one in a group. And so that's what in process is. And it's this, this membership that I started in the pandemic because I, um, when I was in Bali, I would go to these co-working sessions where we would all sit down and we would meditate and then we would go around and say what we were going to work on that day. And it would, might be like, okay, I have to finish this like application for something, or I'm going to work on this writing, or I've got to get through emails, whatever it was. And then we would do two Pomodoro techniques, which is this like productivity technique where you work and take a break. And then our breaks would be like dancing or coloring or just chatting or getting a snack or whatever and come back. And, and I wanted to start that again when I got back to New York, but as you know, I never went back to New York and it was a pandemic and in person wasn't happening. So it was like, I want to do virtual co-working like that. I think we can do that on Zoom. And I want to do like a Dharma talk every month where it's about a theme because I had come up with semesters where through working with my one-on-one creative consulting clients, I realized everything is cyclical, right? So my creative process started the first month we create space. So it's at the, if you're thinking of a circle at the top of the circle, you have to create space, like take out what isn't working, clear space. The next phase is gather. So then you have to take in inspiration and experiences to have something to say. And then the, 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 fa- the next month, the, the phase is try, like throw things at the wall, see what sticks, like get messy. And um, it's, 
intense and collaborative and messy and emotional. And then I'll be there to support you. And then the last step that's actually important is sharing because it closes that loop. Because when you share, that's how you connect. And it is part of the process. And then you begin again and create space again and keep going and you ideate. And so it's never ending. That's why it's a membership. But I do essentially like bring, bring projects through this loop of creating something. And I think that there's, there's beauty and life is so cyclical and nature is so cyclical. So to, to answer your question, like, this is what we talk about in those groups of like, yes, I do think there's luck and timing are huge parts of, of, of the share part, right? Like of the success of something, like I have such honesty with that. But I think in terms of making something, it's like when you second, there's this David Bowie quote where he says something like when I, whenever I was second guessing an audience and focused on how they would perceive something or trying to appease, like trying to please other people, the work always suffered. But when I was really selfish about it, it was best. So what I believe when making a creative project or, you know, creative projects that teeter on businesses or are teeter on hobbies or wherever you are in that anything that feels good right it's like it's so cliche and silly of like it's about the journey but like it's kind of about the journey or it's about like feeling good while in process that's why this is called in process because be calling it about the journey would be so like cringy but truly like we are all constantly in process until we die right we're in process of becoming better at being ourselves a creative project should be in process like anything stagnant or anything like perfect is dead, right? Like we want to be ever changing and moving and in process and learning and growing. And so this isn't necessarily about completing a project at the end, like the podcasting course was, It's but a lot of people do. It's about making progress and feeling like you're living a creative life, similar to the artist way where you're like showing up for yourself and getting to know yourself better by trying and making things. And you know, I think the, the blanket overarching concept is to show up every day and be yourself and try to figure out how you can enjoy it and, and putting it out there and sharing it. It's all, it's all part of it. I totally agree. I wonder, so when I first started doing my work, I was very much, um, creating a bunch of stuff and like throwing things at the wall um, did a bunch of different things, written books, have done a bunch of different courses, um, you know, had every workshop under the sun. And, um, a few years ago, I like hit something and which is what we now know as soul Academy, which is, uh, it's this intuitive school basically. And has three S three levels to it. We were like, you know, it's like training little wizards basically. Um, and I didn't, it was this like, I made one piece, which was our first program called Soul Seeker. And I sat on that one piece for like probably about, I had that program for like five years and it wasn't until five years later that the other pieces start to show itself and they weren't made in order. And then ultimately we have this like full body of work that is, that has like a trajectory, but it was like a web, the way that it was together. So my question is like, the reason I'm sharing that is because I can like create forever and ever. And I was in that stage when I first started, like my first five years was just about creating things, but I, it was hard for me to stick to the thing that I created. I had, which I, which I have a good friend in LA, who's a manager. 
And he would always tell me that he's like, Nikki, you know, there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, being unhappy with your work. And, you know, that's typical of an artist to be like, oh man, like, yeah. um, you know, like this isn't perfect or, you know, there's more for this. He's like, but there's a pro, but it does, there's this fine line where you start like birthing things and you just throw everything away. He's like, you know, that that's like a problem. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I do. Like everything I birth, I just, I try it. I, you know, I give it its first run and then I would just like throw it away. Um, and, but I wonder, like, even looking back, I don't regret throwing away any of the things that I threw away. I mean, we even start the conversation with you're like, oh, you sent me the book. And I was like, oh my God, that awful book. Like it doesn't exist. Anymore. I'm the book's biggest fan. I love it. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember it. We have another one called the final swipe. I'll send you that one. Okay. So, um, but like, you know, those, yeah, those, um, like, I wonder, I don't regret any of the things that I didn't stick to, but then these last few years I've been like, I've stuck to one big project. Yeah. Um, it's paid off for me and it's like a full grown thing where the other things like, you know, they didn't even get their legs for the most part. Right, right. But do you think it's that you ultimately hit an idea that like feels right and it also works? Or do you think that we birth things and we're quick to like throw them in the trash? Or is it, because I, looking back, I'm just, I, during the process, I was, I did have to hear that story of like, you gotta, you gotta like stick something through. And actually Soul Academy is so crazy. Like it has been tweaked so much. Yeah. Actually, I told myself, I told the team, I was like, guys, this is, this is it. Like quarter one, we're going to like dot our eyes, but like, I'm done. Like this project has yeah, yeah, to yeah. be able, you know, to at some point, um, especially with some of like the digital stuff we do, like I can constantly, constantly be tweaking this, this project, right. which I've been doing for the last few years. So it's kind of, I'm in the opposite place where like, um, I didn't throw it away and I like stuck to it, but I, but I wonder, did it succeed because I stuck to it or did it succeed because it was the thing that was meant to succeed? Yeah. Wow. Oh, this is such a good conversation. I love this. Well, I mean, hmm, I think my, like, if I was doing like creative advising to you right now, I would say, and it's so funny. I, I love your work, Nikki. And like, I think it's so important. And I do believe that we are all intuitive and um, the more I connect with my intuition and I should probably do your, your course, but I always say this to the people that I work with one-on-one, -on -one, like, I use a lot of my like intuitive capabilities to like read into people's projects. And I, and sometimes I'll say that to them, like, I don't know where I'm getting this, but I'm, I'm really good at naming. Oh, train really good at, yeah. Like I'm really good at like just a few things, you know? And, and so I'll be like, I don't know where I'm getting this, but have you tried this? And they'll be like, wait, what? That was the missing piece. I need, you know, just these kind of, because it comes from so much love. Like, it's like, I develop a relationship with you and love, you know? And so what I would say to you with this, like my intuition is, I mean, the obvious thing is like, it's both probably, right? Like, I think it's, it's a probably in the, in this case, right time, right project, giving it a good college try. Like, I think there really is something to stick to itiveness, right? Um, and as much as I'm talking about like cycles, I, I do believe that there's, you know, someone who did the podcast years ago talks about an experience they had with, um, 
Deepak Chopra talking about purpose and talking about like perfect purpose within Ayurveda and support. And she had this very magical story about how he, she connected with him and, and it really like supported her in this way. And I've had moments of that where like some, when something's been correct, suddenly the universe rushes in and like, there it is. And there's the person that you need and there's the missing puzzle piece and there's the whatever, whatever. And I know we've all heard, you've heard stories like that too. Like my story of like how I ended up in Highland park and just me being okay in the pandemic and ending up in LA is like, yeah, you couldn't have planned it any other way. You right. Like things I kind of, when things are correct, you'll see a bit of alignment, I think. And it's not even like, I think you can choose when something's correct because you can linger there for a bit. And like for something to feel correct, you have to linger there for a bit. You have to like spend some time there. And I think to the point of your friend, who's the agent, like moving too quickly and never lingering anywhere, you never give it enough time to like even decide if something is potentially correct because you're, you have to do that share part and let it like percolate. So I think it's probably in your case, a little bit of both, but that, that story is really inspiring to me actually, because I'm not there yet. Like I haven't found my thing. I haven't found, I am where you were of like doing a lot of different things, but I think we're opposite in the sense of I'm like whatever the opposite of a hoarder is in my life, like a minimalist, I guess. Like I have like four things, like everyone, like I live in a studio, like I don't have a lot of items. Um, but in my work, it's very hard for me if, if something, if I worked hard on something to just let it go, like it's, they're all kind of out there. So I feel like I have kind of a lot of offerings and, but your story was really helpful to me. And I'll, I'll reflect it back to you in case it is to anyone else too, of like saying that you made one piece over here and then it was more of a web and it kind of came together because that's how it's been for me too, of like, even my work of like, okay, I made these kits, but how does that fit with like, okay, then there's in process. Then I do the one. And I think like that is just maybe how some of us do it. And then it's like, whatever rises to the top is the thing. And you have to trust that and linger there for a minute. And when that doesn't feel good, move somewhere else and just follow the flow of your feelings. And you know that, you know, with your intuition. And I think it's funny. We have a, um, a amazing person who is a team member of Nikki's who also worked with me for a while, who I love so much. Um, and you know, if you talk to Danica for like two seconds, she'll be like, Oh my God, Katie is so chaotic. And we did this and we did this and this didn't work and this didn't work. But you only went through that with me too. (laughs) Yeah. Like you only, but I don't know that. And you don't know that about me, but if we like sat down and had coffee, be like, Oh my God, let me tell you about like, you know, so it's just like, that's the, that's the part of like, you only see the outside of things. Right. Of like, and I think that having conversations like this that people can listen into and that I get to have with you, like knowing like that was actually a really powerful shift for me to be like, Oh, okay, cool. I just need to rejigger this. Like it can, this part from five years ago actually works with this. And like, I think that kind of thing is really useful. So to answer your question, which I really can't, it's just, I think it's both stick to itness and giving things a good college try and lingering places, not too long. And when something is right, you will intuitively know. And I, and I think you'll know because the universe will align to give you everything you need to show you that it's correct. Because the, the, the podcast episode from last week was with this, this person who owns good move in Brooklyn and Jules was talking about opening her studio. And when she was opening the studio, like she had no business, like no, 
there is no way that that could have happened without like all of these magical things that happened. And I, and what is very clear is like, that was what she was meant to be doing. And it found her. And it's like, it feels like that with this part of your work. And I don't know if I found that yet. And I hope to soon, you know, and I think it's just a matter of like being open to it and, um, and optimistic and, and listening, you know, to yourself and other people. Yeah. I feel like after so many years of throwing so much shit at the wall, like I do feel very grateful to have like found something like, and I think that, you know, I think it starts off with wanting to find something like I was so sure that there was something for me, but I just didn't know what it was. So it just kind of kept trying until, until I could find what that thing was. And I think another thing that was like important from my creative process was like knowing when it was time to like kill off some babies, which yeah. actually speaking of Danica, she was like very helpful for that. So when, so I, I had some success with the dating work. Like that was kind of like the first thing that brought me in. I had, we had like a popular, we had a good dating podcast and I had the yeah, book yeah. and all that stuff. And, and it got me like my first little, you know, it was a thing. I was like, Oh, spirituality and dating. Like, don't people know that dating is like a spiritual process. And, you know, it was a thing and it gave me like a, I loved that. And I'm definitely going to bring it up when you come back. Yeah, no. And we, and it's still like, it's, I kind of see it as like an artist. It's like, it it was my first album, you know, it's like, it's an album that's still there or whatever, but it was the second album that like really hit Totally hard to, um, with the first album, like it was hard to move on to the second album and it was yeah. hard to like not put effort into the first one anymore. Like I remember I was trying to make space for both, you know, I was like trying to make space to do like the dating work, even though I was like moving into the intuitive work and Danica was like, we can't, like, we can't, like it just, and I was like, no, there has to be a way, like there has to be a way for us to be able to do both. And she's like, we can't, like, it's, it's killing you. Like it's, it's, you know. Um, so I had to say like, it wasn't that I was throwing away the work. It was just a body of work that I had to like no longer, um, put like keep space or put effort into it. And that was a big, that was a big um, piece of the puzzle too. When I, I went all in with the intuition work and that's how it like gave itself, even though, even though there was still so much coming in from the dating work, um, it was like, I had to be brave and yeah. into like the, the other project that was calling me. So that was a big part of it too. But yeah, I always wonder, like, I don't know. I just always think about like, if the projects that were done before, like, do you just sometimes hit like a lucky project? Which I think you do, because I think that's like an artist with an album. Like you might have six albums and then you're like, oh man, that third sure. one was mm-hmm. awesome. You know, it just was. Yeah. I mean, to your point, like, that's why the top of that positive feedback loop is space. Like I believe we have to clear space to allow new inspiration and that you gather new ideas, new experiences. And then, you know, then you have to try something, make something, pop it out, share it, get the feedback, you know, and then clear the space, take that one away, take a different one away. Like you have to go through that. And um, this person who did the podcast years ago, um, he, his therapist, I think gave him this, but he said that it's a sign of a highly creative personality to do a lot of different things in different spaces. And 
don't worry about like, cause I, I, I went through this real period similar to like when I was in that, um, that phase of like post breakup, like every time I get onto an interview, it would be like, have you ever had a breakup? You know? Um, but maybe like the year before that, I was really in the space of feeling like a master of none, like feeling like I was like doing a bunch of things, but none of them that well. And asking everyone about that. And this was his answer to that. He was like, don't worry. It's a sign of a highly creative personality, which made me be like, Ooh, cool. You know? And then comforting. And then he was like, also whatever you're meant to do will rise to the top. Like whatever you want to focus, you'll focus there, you know, and the other things might fall away or come back or whatever. And so I think you're in a very like Abraham Hicks sort of a way, like you have to just allow your feelings to be the road signs and follow what feels good and linger there. And sometimes it's hard to tell that. And, and I think something that I honestly am like struggling with right now is feeling like the clearing space part is a bit challenging because I want to focus on new things and create space for my second, third album, whatever it is, and feeling that way about some of my feeling very, very much like you're describing about your book, about my book, about my, um, you know, certain parts of the podcast or in parts of my work feeling far from it. And I think that's just how we, how we grow, you know, like, wouldn't it be a bummer if I felt like something I made in 2013 or 2016 was like, so exactly who I am now, like, A, it's a sign of the times that tastes change, but B, like I've grown and I'm different than who I was then. And that's a positive thing. Although, you know, when you grow up on the internet, it's there and there's like, I've learned a lot more and there's, I don't know if that's okay anymore. You know, so there's so much of that. Um, but taking things away, I really admire you of like doing that so quickly. Cause there's part of me that's like, but wait, did I give this a try? And I spent so much time and money on this. Like I need to make money. So like, should I take that away? And like, wait, but I like, it feels like I, I was saying, I was talking to someone who was like a business coach and she wanted to like practice on me and she was like, after our like conversation, she was, she's like a friend of mine. And she was like, honestly, you're like too hard to like be my client. Like, she was like, I usually work with people who like just started a business. She's like, you have like, you know, someone who like just had a baby and I can be like a doula for them. She's like, you're like, you have like a nine-year-old and like, <laughs> there's a lot of like bad habits with it. And it like, it doesn't really like, I can't help you. And I was like, were you fired by a free business coach? Maybe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know. I don't really know which one is making money and I still want to do this. I'm not like, so, you know, I think we're all just figuring it out and yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I learning to like, to put things on pause and like know when to stop. And then my latest thing for this project has been knowing when like dotting your I's and crossing your T's is enough. You know, like I, there is a place where you can be like, you can forever be tweaking the thing. So yeah. time to stop tweaking this thing. Cause there's definitely something new that's trying to come through yeah. what it is yet, which is the space that you're talking yeah. about, the space for it. So I'm totally on my way there. That's so interesting. It would be so funny to get you Danica and I in a room together, her after working with me and after working with you, because I think we are so similar in so many ways and get along and see the world similarly, like we discussed and like our artists and like, I love you so much, but I think like, that's one thing that we, we have some variance because 
I'm not a perfectionist and I just like put stuff out and like a lot of it is typos. And I, you know, that's served me in a lot of ways because I like have a body of work and just have like, you know, but I have trouble. Like, I think we have, we would be very good together. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a, like, the thing about me is that I, I have like a lot of cancer energy in me. So I'm constantly caring about like, if people feel comfortable. So when I make the programs, like I'm thinking like, is this pillow like fluffy enough? Like if they sit on this couch, how's their ass going to feel? Like that's the process that I go through. So it's nice. I love that. Yeah. It's not so much that I, so then, and I'm not a detailed person at all. Um, but Kat and Danica, um, Danica, not so much. She's like moved out of being very detailed, but Kat, my assistant is like very detailed. So she is like my, like if you're, I'm a carpenter, like she's the one like doing the final painting and all that kind of stuff. That's so good. That is literally the best person to have in that. Yeah. And I actually learned that from my husband because my husband um, is a creative and he can make all sorts of things, but he's the worst at like finishing and like doing details. Yeah. Same dude. dude. And, um, and then I realized like, look at me making fun of this guy when I'm the same way. I just, I happen to have people that come after me and do the details. So that's a big thing that people don't understand. Cause I'm a like super, I'm like a creative visionary, like through and through, but the reason things look so tight is because I've learned that um, that I go with the first pass and then there are people that go and do the second, the third pass, but I'm directing the second and third pass. Like, I'm like, I want it to look like this. I'm just not going to do it. So that's very helpful for me too. But since that worked out for me so much, Katie, like for the, when I figured that out, cause I wasn't doing that before I was just like the only one doing things. I wouldn't finish things completely. I would abandon them and go to invent like the next thing. Yeah. A new project. But when I learned this thing that I'm like, oh, you don't have to be the finishing touch person, like, but you can still have a finishing touch, a project that has finishing touches. Yeah. So well that I got like obsessive with like, with details. And I was like, look, I have these people that are good at details and they like details. I can just keep sending more details to them, you know? And it's like, at some point, yeah, Nikki, like that's it. So that's where I am right now. Like, yeah, that's really interesting. At some point, but yeah, for any creative, like find your people that like opposite that yeah. enjoy that. That's like a big part of it. So yeah, creative process. Yeah. Oh, Katie, I love you. Thank you for spending all this I time. love you. This was so fun. I'm sad we're done. Um, but the good news is Nikki's gonna do my podcast too. And I'm really excited to like learn more about your new work because the last time like I I had an, I remember you like sharing with me, I think privately about the intuition abilities, but I don't think we ever got into it and haven't experienced it. So it's like a whole new like topic to talk about. And so, yeah. So people like this, they should come listen. We're doing, we're doing a little swap cast here. Yeah. So we'll do part two with Katie. We will be sharing um, all of Katie's links. So you can check that out. And she's, I love like your work too on Instagram. It's just so pretty. So check that out also. And we'll definitely alert you guys when I'm on her podcast so you can thank you all right bye everyone thank you bye thank you so much for listening I love you guys so much if you love what you're hearing would you mind leaving a review or sharing with a friend that little review does so much it's so damn helpful you don't even know so thank you for that 
And if you're ready to unlock your spiritual gifts, enroll in my three-level program, Soul Academy, or join my free community, Soul Collective. I'd love to have you there. The links to join are below in this episode. Until next time, love you much.